This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Harbin and I'm joined by James Forsyth and Katie Balls. Well, just when you thought everyone had forgotten about Partygate, it's back and we have some fines being issued by the Metropolitan Police to 20 individuals. Katie, what more do we know? Yes, as you say, 20 fines. Um, this is not the end of the matter. These are This is the first batch of fines, fixed penalty notices. And the Met Police have said the investigation is continuing. They're still going through the evidence. There could be more to come. I think that appears to lean into the theory going around that these are the easiest cases to deal with. So that that's because people have openly admitted that they've breached was all because it's quite black and white in terms of evidence whereas there are some more tricky ones where perhaps people are contesting their innocence uh, further we know we're at the point where the police are interviewing people they uh, want to speak to again after the questionnaires went in and therefore there is a sense that this could go on for several weeks if not months more and we've had a lobby briefing today where uh, it's been confirmed with the Prime Minister's spokesman that as far as they are aware Boris Johnson is not in this batch of 20 fines so will we find out who they are I think this is where the tricky bit in the sense of clearly this is a development in a few ways firstly it does confirm that despite the numerous statements by both the Prime Minister and the number 10 press office those around the Prime Minister that there was no wrongdoing in number 10 at various points a message that changed or evolved as as more came out ultimately the police have found that there were you know not just a small number quite a high number so far and it could go higher still of you know law breaking in 10 Downing Street that is confirmation on this in terms of finding out names we could be waiting some time because ultimately the only commitment number 10 have made is to say if Boris Johnson receives a fine if for example his wife Carrie Johnson received a fine there was no commitment that we would hear about that I would imagine if Rishi Sunak received a fine the treasurer would come out and say that but in terms of um, officials in terms of civil servants in terms of special advisors it's really at the discretion of the individual to come forward unless of course there are leaks or there is, you know, some kind of public record. Potentially, there's some talk that you could try and find the names through the courts. But this is not going to be something where we had the names overnight. So in terms of getting a fuller picture of things, go, this could be quite murky for some time. Does that not drag it on further, James? Not just because there's an investigation that, that's still ongoing uh, into further breaches, further fixed penalty notices may be issued. But then we have the conclusion of Sue Gray's report because she's waiting for the Metropolitan Police. But there's nothing journalists love more than having something to find out. And as Katie said, these names may remain private unless there are leaks. Well, that's quite a big unless, given... This is Westminster, where everyone loves to gossip, but also people within number 10 don't necessarily like each other and uh, may find it quite advantageous to to leak details about someone else being fined. Yeah, but there's definitely now a thread to pull on. I also think you're right, and Katie is right, about the point about the timing, right? This is the beginning of a period which is going to be very difficult for number 10 because there have now been some fines issued. So you can't say... Well, no rules were broken because the Metropolitan Police have clearly concluded that but at least 20 individuals have broken rules, uh, 20 individuals working at the heart of government. Then, as you say, Isabel, you then, even once the Met has concluded, 
there is then the Gray report to come out. And I think we know from the update that Sue Gray provided that that report is not going to be a kind of nothing to see here document. It's going to be quite coruscating about uh, the way in which things will happen. I think the the update referred to kind of serious failures of leadership, and and so I think that you that 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 is the dynamic that we are now in. And I think I think number ten have said today that you know if you were a civil servant who were fined, you know, you're not under any responsibility, they're saying, to go and inform your line manager, for example, and say, oh, by the way, I've received this. And so I think there will be a lot of kind of tension about, you know, whether this position of saying that no one will be named is tenable or not. I think the police seem quite intent on saying, well, the College of Policing advice is that we don't name names, so we won't. But I mean, that, that is going to put more pressure on government to come forward in some way. Katie, it was suggested privately that the prospect of conflict in Ukraine could be very helpful for Boris Johnson to escape the constant stories about Partygate. Now, that suggestion was obviously quite distasteful before there was a war. Now there is a bloody and brutal war and uh, Partygate is, is back on the agenda anyway. But how does Ukraine affect the perhaps the consequences of, of, of this row? I think in terms of pure politics, it has given the new number 10 team and those around Boris Johnson breathing space over the past four weeks. Yes, they've been dealing with, obviously, a foreign affairs crisis in many ways. But in terms of the axing of certain aides, the arrival of new figures, the Hulika chief of staff, Steve Barkley, the new director of communications, Gutu Harry, I think that there has been a bit more space for these people to get settled into their roles, bring in new figures and start to work out how they want to run things. I think it's also calmed down the mood in the parliamentary party. I think always the biggest issue would be if Boris Johnson received a fine and we have not got to that point yet. But speaking to MPs this morning, I think it feels a lot less fraught than it did a month or so ago. And, um, you know, there are MPs who say, well, my association was furious with Boris Johnson. I still think law breaking is a huge issue. I am an elected MP after all. But my association is now, you know, calming down a bit. And that's clearly impacting their thinking. I think if you speak to figures in terms of those in Boris Johnson's shadow operation, you know, the people who helped shore him up, there is a sense that you shouldn't take this as the idea that the issue is completely gone. There are still MPs who do not want Boris Johnson to lead them into the next election. There's quite a considerable number of those. But I think what it's done is taken some of the heat out of this. And in terms of the timing of a confidence vote, I mean, I don't think, I think the working assumptions were not going to get, you know, a spate of letters going in today. And I think it's too hard to predict in terms of Boris Johnson himself gets a fine. This is going to be a tricky period for number 10, but, but I think things have moved on. It, But I think the fundamentals, you know, there are lots of people in the Tory party, very uncomfortable about this whole thing. This has the potential to bring it back up. And I think one of the key things here is going to be, what is the public perception of this? Because speaking to MPs, I think there is a sense that, you know, Ukraine has changed the whole political landscape but it makes me think back to an event we had last week we had our first spectator in-person event coffee house shops live we plugged it a few times on this podcast um so listeners might might remember that but one of the questions we're talking about the spring statement primarily one of the questions on party gate and actually when we asked the audience to say you know well raise your hand if you think Boris Johnson should still go. So it's just under half in terms of those who put their hands up, probably just over half said he should stay. But what I think was the most interesting thing was when we said, well, how many of you have changed your mind because of the situation in Ukraine? 
only four people raise their hands. So I think that w- there's a slight danger that there's this narrative forming, which is partly amongst supporters of Boris Johnson, but also I think others covering the story that Ukraine, you know, everything else is now petty, where that suggests to me that yes, some of the immediate anger may have gone, but the fundamentals of people's perception of the Prime Minister hasn't really moved much. I think that's also reflecting in some of the focus groups, both internally and externally. So far from out of the woods in that sense. James, the Cabinet discussed Ukraine as a substantive issue today and they've made some decisions that, that change Britain's engagement in the conflict, don't they? Yeah, so up to now, what Britain has been supplying to Ukraine is defensive weaponry, so kind of anti-tank weaponry primarily, you know, considerably. And that was all designed about slowing down the Russian advance. And I mean, I think it is fair to say that the... The, the arms supplied by the UK, the US and other Western countries, I think 18 other Western countries, ha- have played a considerable role in slowing the Russian advance. We are now into a different phase of the war, which is, can the Ukrainians take back territory that the Russians have occupied? And so you, know, you see around Kiev, Ukrainians are trying to push the Russians back. They are not only trying to prevent the city from being encircled, they are also trying to put the city out of the range of artillery fire so that you know the, the Russians have to try and hit them with missiles rather than artillery. And, and missiles are easy. You, know, you have more chance of intercepting a missile than you do of inter- intercepting artillery shells. And then there's obviously the question of the territory that the Russians currently are occupying in the east and the south and whether the Ukrainians can push them back from that. And that is what lies behind President Zelensky's desire for tanks. His argument is, you know, we can't push them back without that. And that there is obviously a debate within NATO about what weaponry to provide Ukraine with, what they should do. I think what you will see again is that the more forward-leaning countries, the kind of the Jeff countries, if you like, the Joint Expeditionary Force countries, will be more inclined to say, right, let's find a way to get them, you know, tanks and armed personnel vehicles and the like. And some other countries will be more sceptical about that. I mean, there's also a sense in terms of opinion in Ukraine that morale has been a vital component in this war, right? I think it, I think it is, even from the distance of London, I think it is it is reasonable to say that the Ukrainians have fought the fierceness and determination that have surprised the Russians. The, the morale of the Russian troops from all the intercepted communications and the like we've heard does not seem to be great. I mean, what Zelensky feels is that, you know, to boost Ukrainian morale, that this war is not going to be a kind of a broader version of the war in the East that has been going on since 2014. You, know, you need to say, look, we're now getting the weaponry that will allow us to actually push the Russians back. So that this this war will not grind on for years and years and years and years. And I think that that is part of why he wants this change in the nature of the military aid that is being provided to Ukraine. Thank you, James. Thank you, Katie. And thank you for listening.